0: What is going on, Ballers Life family? I'm Devin Ogle and I'm here with my co-host, Ronnie Flores, and this is the Ballers Life original show, On the Rise. On today's episode, we're taking a closer look at USC forward Evan Mobley, who was recently named the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year and Pac-12 Player of the Year. Ronnie, we followed Evan a lot in his high school career, so why don't you give us the rundown of his full prep highlights?
1: Yeah, Devin, I'm glad to be back here for another episode of On the Rise. And obviously, like you said, Evan is a player we follow close. So Christian High School in Temecula, California. He's a lifelong Southern California guy. And he really uh, blew up, you know, he was always known as a big prospect. He really blew up his junior year. And really, to be cut short to the chase, you know, he was the best true post player in the country as a senior. You could even argue he was the best true post player as a junior. He actually went head-to-head with um, James Wiseman in a memorable game. And, And many people say he outplayed him. And the game was in Memphis against Memphis East, James Wiseman's high school when he was a junior. So as a junior, averaged about 19 and a half points, 10.4 rebounds, almost five blocks, 3.3 assists, and really was a National Player of the Year candidate. You know, he was up there with uh, Isaiah Stewart, the eventual winner in 2019, and Cole Anthony. Then he came back his senior year, and now he was battling for National Player of the Year honors with the guys he's battling number one in this 2021 NBA draft, Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. But interestingly enough, Devin, even in 220, he wasn't even named the Riverside County Player of the Year. And we'll get into more of that, like his honors and his local honors and and how that transpired when we talk about his strengths and weaknesses.
0: Thanks, Ronnie. Yeah, now we're going to transition and jump into the strengths of Evan Mobley. I will be first to start here. And obviously, as everybody knows uh, from watching any Pac-12 game, any Rancho Christian game, Evan Mobley is a game changer on the defensive end of the floor, Um, seven feet, mobile, Uh, Ability to you know time and block shots, change shots around the basket. Uh, His his instincts as a defensive guy are second to none. And what I like most about him defensively, Ronnie, um, aside from the shot blocking, because obviously that's the kind of the number and the metric that we see. And at USC, he's averaging three blocks a game. Um, In high school, you can say he averaged more than five blocks a game, which is insane. But Sure. What I like, what I like about him defensively is his mobility and his his ability to get out and switch onto guards and contain guards in ball screen, or hedge, recover to his guy, uh, you know, block a shot and get the rebound and start the start a fast break. Um, and then he's great in transition offensively, Ronnie, because he's so sure. mobile, he's so fluid. He gets up and down the court, you know, uh, fluidly and, and quickly, and around the basket, his hands are great. He can catch you know passes that are off target. He can you know adjust his body as needed. He's got great body control and he's so quick off the ground with his first and second jumps that you know uh, any shot blocker who can you know jump with him probably can't jump as quick as he can. Um, so if he misses a a, a chippy inside, he's going to get that second jump and, and tip the ball in for second chance opportunities. Um, and then another thing with Evan Ronnie that we both know he's trying to um, make, you know, let the NBA know is he has some perimeter skill. He has the ability to hit a pick and pop face up shot. Uh, If he has a smaller defender on him, he can, you know, shoot over them. If he has a bigger defender on him or a slower guy or a guy who's not quite as mobile as he is, he can put it on the deck a little bit and get by a guy and get to the basket. Um, You know, he's shooting 31.4% from three on the college season. And I think when we get into the weaknesses, that's something we're going to talk about, but he can hit those shots. He can make uh, free throws at a, at a decent clip. Um, and I really like Evan in screen roll action, Ronnie, because you know, he's, he, he can set a good screen, even though he's kind of frail of, of uh, size and his body's not super like thick. Right. But that's sure. a good screen. He, he has the footwork and the, the fluid athleticism to roll to the basket get up for lobs and finish, you know, lob passes or, or even, you know, uh, post up a guy and get, get position and, and finish with like a hook shot or, or something like that. But yeah, he can pick and pop hit the face up jumper with time and space. Uh, but I think biggest strengths Ronnie and what our NBA teams are so intrigued by is the fact that he's going to be a defensive game changer at the very least. as soon as he gets into the NBA, Ronnie, let's jump into your strengths.
1: Yeah, Devin. Um, You know, those are great points. And I think, like you said, just the fluidity is my uh, main point because obviously we'd share many of these main points. His best attribute to me is just his ability to run up and down the floor and with ease. People think, okay, why is that such a great attribute? A lot of NBA players, even guys that are just tall guys, they, they quote, quote, can't walk and chew gum, as we say. You know, they just he just can get from foul line to foul line or get from you know the block to the other block so easily and so quickly. It's, it's effortless, and that's just when you look at his ideal NBA size and length, even if he didn't have that effortless motion, he'd still be a good prospect with his ideal size and length. I mean, as you mentioned, a good coordination with the soft hands, and, and he actually has a coordination of a guy probably closer to 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, when I think of some of the things he does. I remember the prospect Andrew Wiggins was, now obviously Andrew Wiggins is a perimeter player, but you mentioned the quick leaps and the ability to jump the second time, and that's what he does, but he does it at seven foot, and obviously Andrew Wiggins is a pretty good NBA player, obviously he has some of his detractors, but he's still the number one pick in the NBA draft, so when you see what he does at seven feet, I mean, it's it's one of those things, we always talk about basketball, how... Even the person who's a little bit of a novice uh, scout or hasn't been playing the game that well can just see that that guy is somebody like, hey, he's going to be pretty good. So I think those are his attributes there. Uh, I don't think you you have to break it down because I said there's not really um, much to gripe on or pick on in that regard. His legs are just really lively. You know, he did have a little bit of uh, some injuries when he was younger. He was growing so fast. You know, he only played five games his ninth grade year at Rancho Christian. A lot of people don't know that. And then he started getting into the groove in 10th grade, and then he just exploded onto like one of the best players in the country by his junior. Year. And I think people expected that. We always expected that. But um, So those are the strengths. You know, Devin, why don't you talk a little bit about what you saw, especially kind of you talk about the team concept with Rancho Christian and USC and why people nitpick him. And, is you know, is that really fair to him? Is that – going to be what maybe cause him to go second or third in this draft? You know, let's talk about his weaknesses.
0: Yeah, Ryan, uh, your strengths are, are on spot because obviously we, we agree on a lot of what Evan Motley does well. Um, and another thing I missed that I want to bring up before we jump into weaknesses, I missed, he's a great passer, high post, low post sure. out of the teams, finds, you know, good, good entry passer. If you look at his brother, him, him and Isaiah played high, low basketball a lot at Rancho Christian, and he was just a great passer. So that's another, uh strength I wanted to bring up before he jumped into weaknesses. But yeah, Ronnie, everyone is always nitpicking Evan because of his personality or his uh his approach yes, to the game isn't is- right. He's he doesn't have like a, a fiery factor about him. He's very uh poised, he's very under control. He doesn't show a lot of emotion. He reminds me of Lonzo Ball a lot in that way, to where you don't really yeah. know if they're like you're like, are these guys playing hard? Or are they going through the motions, but that's not the case with Evan, nor was it the case with Lonzo. Um they don't show a lot of emotion. They're not dunking on people and flexing and screaming and things like that. So yeah. a lot of people get um activity mixed up with um just being overly, you know, uh demonstrative when it comes to playing. Like uh, you know, finishing a lob and like hanging on the rim and you know, pumping your fists and all that. Evan doesn't do that. He's very mature. He's very, uh, like I said, poised and kind of to himself. And I kind of like that about him. Um, to me, that's a, that's a strength, but that's what people nitpick him on. Maybe they think he's not aggressive enough offensively. He doesn't, you know, force the issue. Um, he lets the game come to him too much. Um, but I, man, Ronnie, I really like that. A
1: big, you know, how big of a detraction is that? Really? If you think, even if it, I know you don't think it's one, but how big of distraction can it even be? I mean, considering his skill, his size, his length,
0: everything he does. I think if you're looking for a reason to nitpick a player, then sure, you can bring that up, and that's fair. But, like, if you're an NBA franchise and you're thinking of drafting, you know, Evan Mobley one, two, or three, that isn't an issue to me because it's all about production, and Evan Mobley pretty much is always produced. He doesn't force the issue, like we said. Remember that game against Edwanda that a lot of people nitpicked when he had seven points in the – in the uh California State last playoffs last summer. Yeah. I mean, last his last, last game. Yeah, this yeah. last game, and he had seven points and you know I think it was like eight or nine rebounds and five blocks. A lot of people were like, "Well, the number one you know post player in the country shouldn't have those games." They weren't at that game. He was getting triple teamed uh, by yeah. edwanda which is a great defensive program, and he was finding open guys. And those guys just in that game just didn't make shots. So I think the biggest area of improvement for Evan Ronnie is finding that identity. Are you an interior player? Or do you want to be a guy who floats on the perimeter a lot and, you know, is mainly focused on pick and pop shots? Um, Evan has the skill set low post wise to be a back to the basket scorer in the NBA. He also has the face up skill set and the ball skills to be a guy who can pop onto the perimeter and do some things. Now it's finding that middle ground of balance of get inside, do some damage there and then take those pick and pop opportunities to also do damage as a as a face-up perimeter guy, um, and that you look at you know we'll get into comparables in a little bit, but uh, guys who do that well, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Kevin Garnett, and I think he needs to find that balance, you know, um, and, and be a guy who dominates inside first and then moves out as the game dictates, and sure, just pr- from a percentage standpoint, Ronnie, I think uh, you look at his, his three-point shooting at the college level; he's shooting at 31%. From three uh, on thirty-five shot attempts heading into the NCAA tournament, that's not terrible. That's not great, but if you're going to no. be an NBA, you know, stretch four or five who shoots a lot of threes like Porzingis, you've got to have a better a better percentage
1: from three. Let's jump into your weaknesses here, Ronnie. Yeah, uh, you know, speaking of those weaknesses, like you said, I'm, I was very interested in learn how many shots he took on that. On that 31, 32%. And as you said, so 35, he's shooting 1.5 per game, maybe 1.3 shots per game. It's not enough. So if you shot three or four, his percentage either go way up or go way down. You know, that's the thing we always talk about players and they shoot threes. Well, if you only shoot one a game, your percentage can really fluctuate a lot. It's not a true indication, especially at the NBA line, of of what he's going to do. Obviously, he has some skill out there. But yeah, that's my thing too with one of his weaknesses is why. Why do we want a, him to do that? I, I want him to dominate inside. Nobody can jump with him. Nobody has the ability to to uh, really stick with him. You said if he gets some good back-to-the-basket moves, some some half hooks, up and unders, he's going to put the defense at such a a disadvantage and in such pressure, get guys in a foul trouble. I don't know why I'd want him shooting too many perimeter shots or handling the ball. That's a plus, and he can do that, and I understand that's a, a catch-22 and, and – a high point for like guys on TV to to point out and look what he can do. And I get that the NBA is a lot of premium oriented, but with this guy, why? He's seven foot and he's agile and he can move and he can jump. And he's, you know, shown that he can stay on the floor, stay out of foul trouble. He's smart, doesn't get out of position a lot. Like you said, he has a cool and calm demeanor, he doesn't get too demonstrative. Like really, when you looked at him at Rancher Christian, you're thinking. God, the guy plays like he does, like he's playing on a Nerf hoop. There's not too many guys we've ever had in California like that. Even other centers, a a Congo a Neca Congo's not like that. And he's the number six pick of the draft. Right. Some other big men that have made the NBA, they're not like that. Evan is almost like the rim's too low for him. Like he could play at ten and a half feet and still be dominant. You know what I mean? So there's not. I I don't know. If we're saying weaknesses, but that's obviously positives. But so we I mean, it's very hard to nitpick those weaknesses i just don't think he needs to concentrate that too much especially if he's in an nba team and he has three or four other good perimeter shooters i i don't see that it's not making him uh, you can't go much higher than the number one pick and he has the, <laughs> he has the ability to be the number one pick without that shit you know so like i i don't get i really don't get it you know it, it look at all the positive he does and like you said i think another thing and again we're talking about negatives and i'm bringing up uh, uh more positives is is His uh, demeanor and like he's a character kid who, like you said, going to want to help his teammates get better, going to want to be there on time, be reliable for them. And so I just think maybe uh, the weakness is maybe just taking a little bit more alpha mentality that I am going to take over a game because he has the talent level to warrant for him to take over a game. I think you want to see that in all these guys, whether they're young or not. LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Green. The guys who just went in the 220 draft, that's what their teams want. They want them at some point to lead. So I think that's where Evan's going to have to lead. And he kind of showed flashes of that with Compton Magic. They really didn't get it done with the Rancho Christian the way he wanted to. And we'll see with SC. You know, they have 3-3 three and three in their last six games. They're entering the NCAA tournament as a sixth seed. So I think people want to see what Evan can really do for this team. team
0: Yeah, I think with demeanor wise and kind of mentality, Ronnie, I think the, the weaknesses that people draw to that are like, okay, are you going to be, are you going to be Chris Bosh, uh, Clint Capella, or are you going to be Kevin Garnett? And there's really, there's really only one Kevin Garnett. And yeah. you know, th- that's, that's a guy who is, is difficult to compare to, but let's jump into our comparisons. Okay, Ronnie, we're going to jump into our NBA comparisons for Evan Mobley. Why don't you start with us here?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Evans NBA comparison, again, we're talking about dominating a game and moving, you know, being the number one type pick to dominate the franchise. But I, I don't really look at him like that. And that that's not enough to say that he can't be that guy or he's that's not warning of him being number one because he's not like that. Like you said, I think if you look at a Chris Bosh, I like that comparison. Obviously, Chris spent a lot of time with the Raptors and then found his niche with the Miami Heat. You know, Stromile Stro- Swift, who was a high NBA draft voice, but he had some injuries in early 2000. Very lanky, very long like Evan. Um, the two big two ones I like the most are Sam Bowie. Now, everybody obviously makes fun of Sam Bowie because he's, he comes out in Jay-Z's song as being picked over Michael Jordan. The problem with Sam Bowie with that is, and the problem with, with always bagging on him, is he was a freak like Evan before his injuries, and he even not said it. In his um SEC stories, you know, go watch that if you get a chance on, on the SEC network. Obviously, he went to the University of Kentucky, He was a number one type player like like Evan Mobley, him and Ralph Sampson. And 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 Sam Bowie was just a freak type player, but he even said, he said, I I was injured. I knew I was injured at Kentucky. He missed the season, Devin. But he said, going into the NBA draft, and remember, this is nineteen eighty-four. The the, the the pre-medical evaluations are a lot different than they are now. He said, I knew I was hurt. I didn't tell Portland or any other team because, hey, I wanted to feed my family. Like, I, I wasn't going to say anything. So, And even with all that, you know, he still averaged 10.9, 7.5, and was double figures in six of his first seven seasons. So I, I still like that comparison. Uh, the last one I wanted to mention was Miles Turner. Uh, I think we always looked at Miles Turner as a guy man how good is he you know uh 247 had him number 7 ESPN had him number 2 so i think ESPN was on to something there maybe they didn't they overlooked his body and maybe some of his nagging injuries and rivals had him 9 i think people just thought man i think his body's going to give out and he's not going to be adorable in the nba because he obviously had shot blocking ability but you know what devin if if evan mobley leads the league in blocks two times in his first five or six seasons that would be pretty good and that's what that's what um, Miles Turner has been able to do. So I like those, you know, Bowie. I like Miles Turner, Chris Bosch, You know, when you talk about Chris Bosh and I, he was ranked four by one uh, publication and he was ranked five by the other. I think Evans a little better, has a better ceiling than that. But is he going to be where he's going to join a good team one day Evan, or, or develop his franchise into a good team? And is he going to be the second or third option like Chris Bosh or is he going to lead a team to an NBA type finals or title. I mean, that's the big question with Evan Mobley, For sure. Yeah. It's kind of
0: what, what role does he fit into? Is he a superstar or is he, is he a, a role player? And like we, we all know Ronnie, 99% of NBA players are role players, right? There's 1% sure. of the guys in the league are the superstars. So I, I like a couple of years. We agree on Chris Bosch. Um, we agree on uh, Stromile Swift, just from a body standpoint, I didn't see a whole lot of Sam Bowie, uh, because obviously I was born in 1987 and that was before my time. So I, I, I'm going to go back and watch that SEC story, like you said, and just check that out and see what what similarities I can draw between the two. But yeah, let's just off topic. Let's leave Sam Bowie alone. He didn't ask to be picked. Sure. He was picked. All right. My comps, um, defensively immediate impact wise, Ronnie Tyson Chandler comes to mind
1: yes. just from
0: a off the floor standpoint, defensive instincts, uh energy, get up and down the court. Uh That's what he reminds me of. Um, I think Clint Capella is a good one too. A lot of people, you know, Evan's more skilled than Clint Capella, but again, uh, Capella is a really good defensive player, good rebounder, great, you know, pick and roll finisher above the rim. And I think Evan can be an immediate impact guy in that way. Uh, more up to date comparison, Ronnie, for, you know, our younger listeners, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Went to Michigan state. He's been battling injuries at Memphis, but, they have similar body types, similar games, similar kind of the way they move is, is very, very similar. Um, Chris Bosh, obviously, I think Evan Moby's a better defender by far yeah. and away than Chris Bosh, you know, right now than Chris Bosh ever was. But offensively, I think Evan can take a lot from what Chris Bosh did uh, with Toronto and what he did with Miami. Uh, a guy I like and a guy who I think uh, mentality wise Evan Mobley can kind of watch and take a lot from is Amari Stoudemire. I think they both have, you know, Amari was, I guess, a more power type player.
1: Yeah, or power
0: finisher and more explosive, yeah. but still, that's the young Amari. Yeah, the way that they're going to be utilized at the next level, uh, especially early on in their careers, I think is going to be pretty, pretty similar. And and a guy who I like, another guy who is probably not as good defensively as Evan, but is better offensively, Lamarcus Aldridge, um, finding that mid post fadeaway type thing that Lamarcus has in the back to the basket ability and finishing ability that LaMarcus has shown with Portland and with San Antonio that will benefit Evan and make him just a guy who is basically unguardable at the NBA level. If he can get that type of of mid post game, Uh, a lot of people you'll hear from uh, people on TV during March madness for however long USC is in the tournament there, you're going to hear a lot of Kevin Garnett comparisons. And again, we go through this every episode that's yeah. a Hall of Fame player, one of the greatest power forwards of all time. Um, if Evan Mobley can get anywhere near Kevin Garnett and have that baseline fadeaway that KG had with Minnesota, which yeah. is I think probably Ronnie a top five unguardable shot in NBA history, having Kevin Garnett being, you know, yeah. six ten, six eleven, and then the baseline fadeaway at he hit it like sixty percent. You know what I mean? That's that's a really, really high ceiling. Uh, but again, if you can reach anywhere near that ceiling, that would be that would be great for Evan. And I think he can, he's a hard worker. He's a, you know, he, he, his head's always in the game. He's, he's never, you know, never worry about him off the court. So yeah, Yeah. the guys I like, uh, new age, new age guys, Jaron Jackson, junior, um, uh, older guys, Amari Stoudemire, Chris Bosh, uh, Tyson Chandler defensively. And then if he can get anywhere near the offensive skill set that the Marcus Aldridge has, uh, he's going to be a really, really good long-term
1: NBA player. Yeah. You know, I, I love those comparisons. I, we agree on some, I like your LaMarcus Aldridge comparison. It's very interesting. Some of the guys we mentioned, I'll start with LaMarcus, you know, his rankings. You know, Rival 16, you know, uh, Hoop Scoop 25, All-Star Sports 15. It's pretty low for a guy of his skills. You know, even Jaron Jackson, 247, number eight, ESPN eight, Rival six. When I saw Jaron Jackson in Phoenix and other places, he looked like a young Sean Kemp. So, again, I think Evan defensively is a lot better than some of these guys we mentioned. He's better than Sam Bowie. Um, you know, he's not Kevin Garnett, but he's, you know, Miles Turner. He could be a combination of like a, a LaMarcus Aldridge and a Miles Turner. Sure. You can't, you know, we're talking about a good player and he's ranked. Again, every class is different. And Evan come I'm a great class. The 220 class is great, as we know, heading into the 221 draft. He's higher ranked than all these guys, except for the old school guy, Sam Bowie, really. You know, t- Miles Turner, 6'7", 2'9". I'm just looking at these. Chris Boss, 5'4". Like I already mentioned, Aldridge, Jaron Jackson, Tyson Chandler, three, you know, in the three, two range. So very interesting how it's easy to, you know, like Will Chamberlain said, nobody likes Goliath. So the, everybody's always trying to knock Evan Mobley, but what is really there to knock? He's the guys he's comparing to who many of them are multiple NBA all-stars. He's ranked higher than them, and ha- and people expect more from him than those guys. And they're pretty good. So, Devin, who do you like real quick? Um as we wrap this up, the low ceiling uh and, and the safe bet as far as the you're comparable.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think the low ceiling is Clint Capella. Uh and I mean, people are gonna laugh at, at Clint Capella, but I mean, he's productive. He's a productive yeah. NBA player, he's a productive defender, he's a productive rebounder, and he fits in well with how the NBA is right now. Um I think the higher end ceiling for me, Ronnie, um, overall package offensively, defensively is Amari Stodemeyer. Okay. Um, I just think I think Evan's going to make a living off of uh screen roll basketball finishing around the basket. Yeah. And Amari, before his injuries, and unfortunately, we, you know, his his great production was cut short, you know, way sooner than it should have due to injury sure. and eye injury. And you know, he was a good face up guy. Face up, go buy somebody, dunk on somebody. Uh, I think Evan has draw those foul. similar abilities, yeah. draw a foul, get to the free throw line and, and make free throws. I think Evan has a similar ability to that. DeAndre Jordan's another safe bet, I think, just from an impact standpoint. And defensively, very similar, uh, him and Evan Mobley. What is your what is your low end comp and what is your safe bet?
1: Yeah, you know, the guys I like on on uh, the low end, you know, uh, you know, he could be like a Chris Bosch. You know, I like that if he can conti- see continues to develop offensively. And then, you know, he's part of an NBA type championship team where he's a complementary player to, you know, another great player. You know, that just fits his uh, mentality. So I can see that. I don't hope for that for him, really, to tell you, to be honest. And then on the high end, I, I like, you know, like the safe bet, high ceiling. And obviously, I don't want to go too far over, oh, you know, oh, God, he's going to be an all-time NBA great, is LaMarcus Aldridge and a combination of Tyson Chandler. So it's easy to say, well, Tyson Chandler, you want that from a number one pick. You know, Tyson was the number two pick. Yeah, but Tyson has been around in the NBA 17, 18 years. He's won NBA Defensive Player of the Year. And if he can gain a little bit more of of all his skill set offensively, obviously he's a better, much better shot blocker than LaMarcus. LaMarcus is a seven-time All-Star and averaged over 20 points for seven seasons. So I think that's a good goal for Evan. You know, if you say, hey, if I'm doing that, if Evan could be a seven-time All-Star and also win NBA Defensive Player of the Year, I think he's going to have a hell of a career.
0: All right, Ronnie. We're going to jump now into our future forecast and kind of discuss Evans. You know, NBA draft positioning. I think, Ronnie, and we'll just get straight into it, man. We're looking at you know the top three, top four of Cade uh, Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kuminga. Those are the guys who I see as those you know five in contention for the top three picks. When I look at it, and I, I look at numbers, look at impact, look at style of play. Look at who can come in and make an immediate impact for my franchise, and have a, a high ceiling but also a low floor, as we like to say. Sure. It's Evan Mobley at number one. He's the safest pick because you know what you're getting defensively. You know you're getting a seven footer who's mobile. You know you're getting a seven footer who can step out on the perimeter, take guys off the dribble a little bit, and then with NBA spacing, I mean that those those driving lanes just become even even bigger, Ronnie. And you know, drawing double teams or drawing triple teams in the post and, and kicking to shooters, you're more more likely to, to gather assists at the NBA level than you are at
1: the college level. Yeah, it's congested in college. There's, some of your teammates are not as talented as you, and they know that. Look at Evan. He's a Pac-12 player of the year. As a freshman, people expected that, and he wasn't even the high school player there in many regards. So that just shows you his ability and his level. So I, I agree with you there. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to finish your other point, any other points, but... You know, Evan Mobley, you know, I just think, Devin, I want you to talk about this scenario real quick. SC plays the, you know, gets the winner of the play in Drake, Wichita State, I believe. They're the sixth seed. Again, they're three and three. They did good in the Pac-12. They didn't do great, but they did good. So Evan Mobley, they get knocked out in the first round. And Jalen Suggs leads Gonzaga to an undefeated season. Uh, Kate Cunningham, you know, has some big shots, you know, as as, as he's known to do. If, if, if. USC gets knocked out in the first and second round. Does that old tune come up? He can't lead. He's not an alpha. How, where do you think that plays into this draft? How much, in other words, to, how much stock do you put in the Sensei tournament? With,
0: with the top three, four, five picks, obviously two of the top five guys who I have on my list are yeah. not in the NCAA tournament. They're G sure. League guys. Um, I, I just, To me, it doesn't matter, man, especially sure. nowadays. Okay. Especially nowadays, I think – it's great, you know, when guys lead their teams and you can see, you know, how they play in big moments. But any NCAA tournament game right now is a big moment for these guys. And you can kind yeah. of see, so say, say Evan Mobley and uh, USC play Wichita State. Great yeah. team, great defensive team. Evan Mobley has 26 points, 10 rebounds, you know, like he did in a loss in the Pac-12 tournament to Colorado. They lost by two to Colorado in the semifinals of the Pac-12 tournament. Evan had 26 and. You know, double double. That doesn't, you know, he he has that against Wichita State, and they lose. To me, that doesn't knock him. Very. Yeah, that doesn't knock him. He yeah. still had twenty six and ten and <laughs> three blocks. Like, yeah, he still He's still, a, want? He's still yeah. a he's still a nineteen twenty year old seven footer who you know has a an NBA style skill set and style of play. So, yeah, yeah I, I think you know, especially with NBA franchises being able to you know watch film, watch uh, high school games. Uh, watch high school all-star games, whatever it may be, they have a good feel for which guys they like and which guys project sure. to the next level, no matter what their their college program's team, team stats or team win-loss record looks like or how far they go in the NCAA tournament. I don't think a guy of Evan Mobley's stature would be hurt by a first-round exit in the, in the NCAA tournament. I think the NCAA tournament now is really for guys who are borderline, NBA okay. draft picks to really boost their stock and get boost into their, their stock. second, yeah, second yes. or first round conversation. Um, yeah. I'm going to first round pick. I mean, uh, excuse me, a uh, lottery pick uh, number one, overall depends on who picks, but uh, I think Evan Mobley is the safest bet as far as um, you know, his body type, his style of play and what he can do impact wise on the defensive end as soon as he gets to the league.
1: Yeah. I'm with you there. The two points I would like to make are, like you said, it's not so much hurt, Evan, but I think it really can help Jalen Suggs if they go to the final game or if they win the tournament and they're undefeated. I think some team will be like, wow, he's such a leader. That's what they're going to want. So like you said, I don't think it'll hurt Evan, but I think it can help a player like Jalen Suggs move up a spot or two. And then, like you said, you know, when you look at those guys, even a Jonathan Kamee, a Jalen Green, six in four, Jonathan six seven, whatever it is, Devin, there's not too many guys... In America, that are six ten and above, and there's not too many guys that are six ten and above that can move. Yeah. So and move like a guy six five. So I've heard stats where there's like thirty two to thirty five hundred guys of NBA playing age, which is like eighteen to thirty five, that are six ten and above. There's only thirty three thousand of them in the country at any given time. So and only like one of one of a guy who can move and move like you want a seven footer to move. Like man, that that's what I see. So. Like I said, I just think the, his his, his low-end ceiling or his basement is just... It's almost like nil and void. He's going to be... You know he's going to be a pretty good player where there's some question marks about almost every other one of the guys. And we're going to break more of these guys down on, on future episodes of On The Rise. As you
0: mentioned, Ronnie, yeah, we have a bunch of On The Rise episodes already on our Ball is Life podcast network YouTube page. Make sure you guys head to YouTube, type in Ball is Life podcast network. You can check out our breakdowns of Cade Cunningham, Sharif Cooper... Chet Holmgren, J.D. Davison, all the future stars, potential future stars in the NBA. We appreciate you guys tuning in each week with us for On The Rise. But until the next episode, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.